welcome to the Play Practice Formula Podcast. I'm your host, BJ Mumford, owner of Play Practice Basketball and the Seacoast Hoops Lab based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I'm excited to launch this podcast as a platform to share my thoughts, ideas, and frameworks for helping your youth basketball player transform from uncertain participant to decisive competitor. We get results in as little as 30 minutes with our target age group of 10 to 14 year olds that want to play high school basketball. Ingredient number four, principles over plays. British soldiers were trained to walk in straight lines and kneel in set rows, displaying an intimidating red wall to their opponents on the field of battle with their bright red coats and white crosshairs on their chest. They memorized and drilled patterns into all their soldiers and accomplished a lot of victories across the world against very primitive opponents who often were throwing rocks and sticks against musket balls. Enter the American Revolution with the well-armed militia fighting for their own backyards with families at home that they wanted to return to. Neither the British nor the American militiamen could be said to be any more or less brave than their opponents. The militiamen were just smarter. They knew the terrain of their backyard. They refused to expose themselves in plain sight unless absolutely necessary. And they had a known advantage. They would hide behind trees and rocks, shoot one of the bright red lobster backs with their white crosshairs to help them with their aim of a wildly inaccurate musket ball, and they would shoot and run away. One of my favorite lines from a comedy movie with Mel Gibson, uh, it's called Maverick. The quote is, he who fights and runs away can run away another day. And it always makes me chuckle to, to repeat that or to watch that show. The, you know, the machismo of normal military discipline would say that that is being a yellow-bellied chicken. And that's actually what people refer to Maverick as in the movie. But it's actually the smartest way to win a disproportionate battle when you are on the disadvantaged side. What has become to be known as guerrilla warfare across the last century applies equally in attack sports such as basketball as it does in military engagements. The fact is that memorizing patterns is useless when under duress to adapt and apply a skill in a chaotic environment. And uh, studies in recent years of the Navy SEALs approach uh, kind of confirms this, where they build frameworks, they build tactics, they build communication methods. But when stuff hits the fan, it's up to the individuals to improvise and adapt. And that's at the highest level of execution, I would say, in the world, in any industry. And yet, when we look at basketball coaching, what every team coach knows, what every coach has been trained to put their attention on, what they spend their time studying, and what they spend their practice time training their players to do, is pattern memorization. They draw X's and O's. They give their players numbers. They script exactly when and where each player is going to go, when and where the ball will be moved, and who, when, and where the shot will be taken. The worst thing about pattern memorization is it can take 
eight hours of practice to master an offensive play pattern to the point where execution is really good. It's timely, it's consistent, it's repeatable. You know, all, let's say, 10 players on your team, two different squads of five, and every combination of those 10 players can all execute that play perfectly takes a lot of time. So I like to think of that eight hours compared to the guerrilla warfare, the militiamen approach of it only takes eight seconds for the defense to watch that pattern maybe twice in a game and know exactly where and when the ball is going to arrive and completely blow up that play, possibly steal the ball, possibly just deny the player that's supposed to take the shot at the end and really leave the team helpless in a lot of cases. Um, So the disparity, again, back to the warfare example, the logistics of economic disparity is often pointed to historically in guerrilla warfare, where in Afghanistan, back when Russia was trying to occupy it, they would spend millions of dollars on each rocket that they were trying to used to disrupt the enemy and blow up caves, whatever was going on in the Afghan mountains. And the guerrilla warfare approach for the Afghan army would be to find a rocket-propelled grenade and they would obliterate one of those million-dollar rockets with pennies on the dollar. Uh, There's a lot of simple sayings with a lot of wisdom in military history if you read that kind of thing. Uh, One of my favorites is that bullets and beans win the battle. And uh, I think this is a great example of that. When your bullets and beans equipment costs you millions or billions of dollars and your opponent can destroy it with pennies, you will either lose the battle or you will go bankrupt trying to win and eventually have to withdraw from the, uh, from the area you were trying to occupy, which is what happened in Russia's case and with uh, several more countries that have attempted to occupy different, uh, different countries around the world. What the guerrillas tend to do well, what the American Revolutionary militiamen did extremely well, is to take whatever resources they have and adapt them to each situation, essentially improvising, using their creative ingenuity and a fairly simple set of rules to coordinate a relentless barrage of unpredictable attacks. Uh, The British Army would never see or foresee such an attack coming. From their perspective, it was too chaotic and complex to even comprehend, much less try to understand and make sense of it enough to have a strategy to defend against it. And this is what we've seen historically, again, in the warfare scenarios, the frustration level rises to the point where they do astronomically terrible things to the local population that's trying to defend with the guerrilla warfare because they really can't find them and they have no big wall of red coats to fight against. And so the frustration goes through the roof until, you know, they are doing tactics that they would never want to own up to. Uh, One of the best things a coach can do for his or her players, especially in youth basketball, is to prevent them from falling into the ease and even the anxiety-reducing qualities of memorizing patterns. Uh, I see this a lot where players are crippled by getting into memorizing patterns in third, fourth, fifth grade, 
And when they come up to a higher level of competition at a faster pace and actually need to improvise, they are helpless. They're looking at the sideline or the coach to give them instructions of what to do because they don't know what to do without a memorized pattern to operate on. And then I also see this turning into blaming the coach because the coach is scripting a pattern. If the pattern's not working, the player doesn't take any ownership for what went wrong in the game. They're blaming the coach for a bad pattern instead of really owning the opportunity they have to impact a game by adapting, overcoming, and improvising uh, within whatever chaotic situations going on in the game. So in contrast to that, what we like to do and what I spend most of my time thinking about and teaching players and parents and coaches about is how to create a synchronized framework. Uh, one of my good mentors and longtime friends, Noah LaRoche, uses the concept or the term cognition to really grasp and capture that whole concept of five brains on the court improvising and coordinating in a very cohesive manner and having group cognition, which I think is a, a fabulous term. There's a lot packed in behind that. But when we teach fundamental rules and principles of basketball, as, as opposed to memorizing patterns, we allow players to understand instinctively how and when to move, when and where to attack, and even what type of shot is most valuable to their team, given their skill set, their teammates' skill set, and even you know game situations. So you can really dramatically leverage the impact every time your player's on the court in both practice and games and really accelerate their basketball IQ without having them stopping to look for input from the coach or stopping to evaluate and think consciously about what they're about to do next, both of which allow the defense the advantage of time to get ready and defend whatever happens next, right? Imagine the militiamen, you know, running through the trees, picking off redcoats. If they suddenly all stopped in the middle of the field and had a meeting about what they were going to do next, the redcoats would wipe them out. So that's really where players are, you know, getting stuck. If they don't have a pattern to run and they have to either look to the coach or they have to stop and consciously think about their next action, the defense is able to destroy any opportunities that they were trying to create. So really what I'm getting to here is what I would say is the name of the game for basketball is improvisation. And you should be warned if you're trying to coach a team or you're having your player practice and train with a team or with a program that's working on this aspect, it can look and feel very chaotic, both for the coach, which feels a little bit out of control because he doesn't have a pattern that the players have memorized, and even to the players, it can feel stressful, chaotic, and takes some getting used to. But over time, what I've found is if you provide players with a framework, the simple rules that coordinate their whole team and allow them to know what their teammates are going to do before the action happens, they will be ahead and shoulders above any players and any team eventually that they will ever come up against because all those teams are going to be running pattern memorization themselves and they're only used to ever defending pattern memorization. So 
three stages you can look out for. Just kind of identifying either when this is happening or if you're a coach going through this, identifying you know what you will come across as you're trying to implement a pattern, implement principles instead of patterns. Number one is first stage kind of absolute chaos. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. Ball's going to be flying all over the place. You're probably going to have a lot of turnovers, especially in like practice scrimmage situations. If you're really encouraging a fast pace of play and you're encouraging players to try to coordinate and synchronize with a teammate based on some simple rules and cues, you know, it's going to be chaotic for a little while. And, uh, you know, we're kind of taking the long-term approach here, the long game of developing a player's brain versus just getting them to win a game right now by having superb pattern memorization that really cripples them in the long term. Second stage, I would say a few less turnovers, still some chaos, still some miscommunication, right? That's where we start to see, like, I did an action, I expected a teammate to react or move a certain way, and I anticipated it well and threw the pass to where that teammate should have been but we got our wires crossed and he didn't go where I expected him to and I threw the ball out of bounds most coaches if they're running pattern memorization and they see that in practice they're going to stop practice and have everybody run sprints somehow hoping that's going to help them execute better Um, but again just kind of preparing you for this second stage. Like there's going to be miscommunication. There's going to be a lot of missed shots initially because of the pace of play and the unpredictability of it. Like a player gets a pass because of what they did on improvisation. They're going to be wide open unexpectedly, even to them sometimes. And they're going to, you know, launch off a shot kind of as a spasm because they're like, Oh, wait a minute. I'm open. And they're going to miss a lot of shots. The pace of play is higher. You know, it's not, I know I'm running three screens and there's four passes and then Johnny gets a shot in the corner at a certain spot, a certain time after a certain action. It's sudden opportunities arise and I got to be ready to shoot. And that, again, takes some getting used to. And then third stage, it starts to come together. Players start to click. They start to make quicker decisions they start to get accustomed to the physical skills that go at that speed of play, such as shooting or finishing layups or even passing faster. And then they begin to anticipate and react to their teammates. Um, eventually, so quickly and precisely and in such a anticipatory manner that the defense can't possibly keep up. You'll find your team, when they get good at this, they're creating and amplifying and multiplying advantages until it's it's almost laughably obvious how badly the defense was beaten by the time they decide to take a shot. I like to think of you know the, uh, the Tim Duncan years of the San Antonio Spurs with Greg Popovich and how good they were at creating open shots. It was beating the defense three, four, five times, they could have taken a pretty good shot, but they kept working and multiplying that advantage until they took a wide open shot that there was just not a chance in the world the defense could do anything about it. And that's really my favorite thing that comes out of all this. Um, and uh, I, have to, uh, I have to give props to uh, Coach Ron Ecker, another mentor of mine, who really, uh, really instilled this idea in my mind initially, the idea of improvisation. And uh, he actually wrote a three-book series, which I, I'd highly recommend for 
for coaches, parents, and players can get a lot out of it as well. Um, three different books called uh, Basketball's Third Element Improvisation. You can find it on Amazon. They're like three to five dollar books, little uh, paperback. Uh, a lot of a lot of info packed into there, and a lot of great thinking about how to train players to be good at improvisation. So just wrapping up, when your team really starts to bring the chaotic guerrilla warfare approach of improvisation to basketball, other teams better watch out because the speed, the execution, and the exploitation of every opportunity that the defense provides is really devastating to a team that's used to competing against pattern-memorizing redcoats that stand in straight lines and run predictable patterns. So that's why we are always training principles instead of plays. Reach out to us at info at playpracticebasketball.com or you can give us a call at 603-932-5893. That's it. I'll see you on the court.